0: Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Rad FM podcast. Today I'll be exploring left-wing and right-wing misogyny and how both ultimately manifest in the demonisation of women who speak out against it. The turf and the misandrist are the same woman, viewed from either end of the political spectrum. All politics focuses on major issues such as the role of government, ...economic class, civil freedoms and social structure. Though left-wing and right-wing are not strictly defined as specific political stances... ...there is a general understanding of the views that people who purport to be left or right tend to hold. Left-wingers broadly support strong government involvement in the economy at least until the last decade or so, (laughs) a few limits on civil freedoms, and legal support in creating an egalitarian society. As such, ideas such as liberalism tend to fall on this end of the spectrum. Right-wingers broadly support minimal government involvement in the economy, stronger limits on civil freedoms, ...and legal support in maintaining a social hierarchy. As such, ideas such as conservatism tend to fall on this end. Of course, there is much more to both sides of the political spectrum. But these are the tenets specifically relevant to this discussion, so I've kept it short. All humans have natural freedom in that they are only truly limited by their own capabilities. But society is also created through the implementation of law, the concept of a civil liberty, which outlines certain rights that the government cannot infringe upon whilst performing its duty. Rightists are often in support of contravening these liberties for the good of society as a whole, in their opinion anyway, especially if doing so is in the interests of maintaining the strict social structure that they favour. Leftists, however, work to enforce, or even create, as many liberties as possible, and generally believe that a relatively unstructured society that allows individualism to flourish is best. However, neither approach is free of misogyny, it just changes the mode of application. When thinking of post-World War II leftist movements, it's likely the civil rights movement and the women's liberation movement come to mind. This period of history reached from the 1950s to about the 1980s, with the Civil Rights Movement reaching its peak in the 1960s and the Women's Liberation Movement in the 1970s. Anyone familiar with British such North American cultural history will recognise this as the free love era, which fought to reject state restrictions essentially on sexual expression. It heavily borrowed from feminism, appropriating the rejection of marriage uh, recognition of equality for lesbians and the demand for freely available contraception and abortion however it then intermingled it with challenges to age of consent law a uh, notable example the pedophile information exchange publicly it gained traction in 1970s uk uh, driven by this movement uh, the encouragement of women to have casual sex at least six books were published at this time endorsing free love uh, all were written by men and the normalization of porn and prostitution it was far from an original take however um The man who coined feminism in 1837, Charles Fourier, was a radical socialist who opposed marriage and prostitution, but instead advocated for a society where sexual desire was seen as a need comparable to hunger or thirst, and as such must be fulfilled, necessitating the allocation of beautiful young virgins for this purpose and altogether negating the concept of rape. The critical social analysis that came from the civil rights movement was revolutionary, so much so that the women's liberation movement used it as a model for its own progression. The work of black women was ignored for their male counterparts, and even the most prominent names have been reduced to little more than a singular act. Um, And Rosa Parks is an excellent example of this. In the source document, I have linked some academic pieces that discuss the misogyny within the civil rights movement and highlight the invaluable contributions of black women to the cause. Um, I haven't got into it because I would like to leave it to people who have uh, a personal tie to the experiences um, so I hope that the, the documents will really explore that and do it justice. Um, left-wing empowerment has always been for the benefit of men. And the current push to expand the definition of woman to include males is no exception. And hooking the link between gynocentric language and the female body obfuscates the discourse around misogyny and distorts every woman's issue to a people's issue, a parallel universe where anyone could need an abortion or suffer from female genital mutilation, and where women commit murder and sexual violence at the same rate men do. It is a direct response to the feminism of the early 2000s where social media became a valuable tool for women to call out misogyny and be heard by thousands of other women. It brought truths that had previously only been whispered amongst the oppressed to light on the world stage and instead of working as a social group to identify the root causes of this, and change, many men have decided to stop identifying with being a man altogether, removing themselves from criticism, even if it didn't remove them from this sort of behaviour. And to support this claim, I have included a link to a website that tracks uh, trans crime stats. As unscientific proof of this. (laughs) This has consequent benefits for both the trans identified male and all the other men. The trans identified male gets to claim the oppression of women for himself, often whilst fetishizing it, and men get to use the existence of trans identified males as a stick to beat dissenting women with, resulting in the ubiquitous turf, a silencing slur propagated by police and public alike. The left wing is now a liberal patriarchy. This, however, has resulted in the unlikely alliance of gender critical people most specifically, fem women. And right-wingers, now let's be clear, right-wing politics is undeniably misogynist, a wing well populated by religious people. Now key positions include being against contraception and against abortion, both of which remove the rights to sexual agency and the right to bodily autonomy. Diminishing women's rights in a way that never happens to men. Removing these rights has a purpose, though. It forces women to abstain from sex unless they want to become mothers. Which ensures that they stay virginal until marriage. This benefits men who have long fetishised this state in females. Along with youth, obedience and beauty. However, it is worth noting that conservative right-wingers picketed and protested the paedophile information exchange meetings whilst the liberal leftists attended and applauded them. Now, right-wingers appear to like youth, but not young. (laughs) As such, gender roles in the right-wing are strictly adhered to. An example being... Nazi Germany, which had a special branch for Hitler youth girls called Faith and Beauty, where they learnt to become perfect mothers, quote, unquote, in hope of one day earning the Mother's Cross for the large brood they produced. And this enables a strong, if unforgiving, social structure. One feminist benefit to this is that being male, a boy slash man, and being female, a girl slash woman, are clearly defined and universally understood, removing the current obfuscation from discussions around biological sex and gender identity, which enables women to describe and discuss their oppression the first tool. It also has the theoretical benefit of making the sex trade obsolete. However, the failure to uphold this in practice has resulted in a wife or whore dynamic, irrevocably linking marriage and prostitution as being the same prison by different names, and allowing leftists to create the free-love misogyny already discussed. All of this, of course, is an outline of the traditional patriarchal model which feminism initially sought to assert. Feminists have been accused of plain-hating men since the very beginning. And despite plenty of statistical evidence to support their points, they are still accused of it today. A fitting quote that, according to the page I've linked, seems to have no true source to describe this phenomenon is To the privileged, equality feels like oppression. To the oppressor male, in the conservative patriarchy, an oppressed woman fighting for her rights is nothing but a misandrist. (laughs) It is amply demonstrated, in my opinion, that feminism cannot be inherently a left or right-wing theory because both the left and the right, are inherently misogynist. It means that feminists on both ends of the political spectrum are standing in opposition to at least part of their own political alignment. Leftism supports freedom of romance and sexuality, the right to abortion and contraception, and lesbian rights. Rightism supports the abolition of the sex trade, rejects paedophilia and recognises women as adult human females. But both fetishise females in their own ways, always confining them to male constructed standards of existence, all of which Serve the needs and wants of patriarchy. Whilst I personally align with neither end, the clear and concise structure of rightism makes dismantling it through discourse an easier task. Conversely, I believe that it is precisely this quality, this clear and concise structure. That makes it such an appealing political leaning for many who are sick of the overly intellectual and unnecessarily complex left wing. Let us pinpoint the deciding factors in our oppression and create ourselves a new space on the spectrum where we are united in our feminism even if we are divided on everything else. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Rad FM podcast. If you'd like to share feedback or want to get notified when a new episode is available, follow us at Rad FM podcast on Twitter or Instagram. I also post a document containing a transcript and source links after every episode. On Twitter. In solidarity, sisters.